Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. Part duh. Part duh. It is week seven, part duh. What's seven in French? Un de... No. Un de, un de trois. That, that's about... Un and then, de trois. Un un de. Un de. I'm trying to think of Hamilton now. It's part seven. Week seven, part duh. And we are starting right now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So once again, we are without Tim, but shout out Tim, because as we mentioned in the first podcast, Tim was the 10th overall ranker in Fantasy Pros this week. Me and Michael are both also... Uh, did pretty well and finished top 10 in certain positions, but Tim was 10th overall. So shout out Tim doing his thing. Even though he wasn't on the pod last week, he did his shit. He put out his rankings for all to see and he killed it. So good job, Tim. Yeah. Shout out Tim. I feel like Tim should celebrate by getting himself a party belt. Boom. Partybelts.com. Use code BROTO, B-R-O-T-O, for 15% off. For the coolest prize, it is the official championship belt of BROTO Fantasy Football. And you should get yourself that, yourself that championship belt. Super affordable. Super cool looking. It's like $30 after you use our code. Yeah, it's great. Customizable. It holds beers. Like, just do it. Everyone in your league throw in $2 and have a dope prize. Please. help uh, Improve all of your lives. And uh, Thrive Fantasy, you can use code BROTO20, that's B-R-O-T-O-2-0, and they will match your first deposit of between $20 and $50, so at least $20 up to $50, so you will have double the money to play some DFS props. So, for example, will Juju Smith-Schuster go over 50 yards? You would have been very well off if you pressed no every single time, under, not no. Um, So code B-R-O-T-O-20 to do that. It's a lot of fun. That's on that two note, zero for twenty. Two zero. Yes, we can move into our first game of part two. The Steelers at mine and Michael's quasi favorite team this year, the Titans. Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. Downs for Big Will. Tennessee. The story of this game. Hmm. Ryan Tannehill's a fucking stud. That that's my story. I yeah. love that guy. He is back at QB two in true throw value. So once again, the true value king is making his way back up the leaderboard. Only Russell Wilson has had a more valuable throw this season. And to be honest, Russell Wilson's on another level right now. So that's fine. But Ryan Tannehill has been exquisite. The last two weeks, he's been on Russell Wilson's level, according to true throw values. And he brought his team back to beat Houston last week. Are you scared that Pittsburgh is yet to allow a top 12 quarterback? Not necessarily, because if you look at what they've done, Deshaun Watson went over 250 yards and had two touchdowns. Daniel Jones, over 250 yards and two touchdowns. Carson Wentz, over 250 and two touchdowns. Jeff Driscoll, over 250 and two touchdowns. If those guys can manage to go over 250 and throw two touchdowns, I think Ryan Tannehill can do a little bit more. I'm with you. He's just too good, man. Like, the disrespect has to stop. He has been, on a per-game basis, a top 10 fantasy quarterback for years now. Which is yep. how it goes. And this season, he has back-to-back weeks of QB2 and QB3. So I'm firing him up. I don't care if it's Pittsburgh. 
I agree. Uh, I'm heading, heading, head down, ready to roll with Mr. Ryan Tannehill, true throw value king, baby. If you don't know what true values are, brotofantasy.com, come on now. Go check it out. I know maybe you don't want to open up yeah, your laptop. Man, you don't want to check Forget on your these phone. imaginary stats, air yards, and shit like Brotofantasy. that. Brotofantasy.com, go look at true throw values. It's like a one-paragraph blurb explaining how it works, and it's glorious stuff. I even, look... True throw value is basically adjusted fantasy points per attempt. True target value, I give you the uh, translation into fantasy points at the end of the graph. Yep. Everything's there for you. Everything. Go check it out. Moving on to the beast. Derrick Henry with his first beastly game. Like Finally. He, he killed <laughs> Minnesota. He played well against Buffalo. He was a beast. Running back one overall, of course, with 212 rushing yards. Four, two touchdowns. Sorry, I was looking at targets. I was like, he didn't score four touchdowns. Five targets. Five targets, two touchdowns. Studdly bubbly. Yeah. And Pittsburgh's a tough matchup, but man, does Derrick Henry just... He gets better with age, man. Three of five games inside the top seven running backs. Three in a row. This is what he does. He gets better later in the year. Pittsburgh is a very difficult matchup, but it's Derrick Henry. You start him, period. Thank you for coming to my talk about Derrick Henry. Thank you. Thank you for being a Come friend. Again. If AJ we move Brown. Over, yeah, AJ Brown, another guy I love. Studly, I love this man. team, man. Such a stud. It's all about the true values, man. If you're seeing seven to nine targets from Ryan Tannehill, which is what Brown has seen every game this year, eight, nine, seven targets, seven to nine targets, what has he done with it? Two top 12 finishes because, of course, because he's a stud. And Ryan Tannehill is a stud, and together they're studly. And Pittsburgh has actually been very vulnerable to wide receivers this year. They've been, um, they're the 24th worst team against the pass in terms of fantasy points allowed. AJ Brown has three touchdowns in his last two games. Feed the beast. Yeah. And I'm not um, talking about Derrick Henry. Pittsburgh, they get a little bit of a boost in your mind because, you know, they're the steel curtain and all that. But sure, they dominated Cleveland last week, but it was an already injured. Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz had some success against them. Deshaun Watson had some success. Drew Locke, Daniel Jones week one. So, I mean, fire up Tannehill. Fire up A.J. Brown. Don't shy away. Let the Titans continue to be the Titans because they are looking like one of the most dangerous offenses. Any interest in Corey Davis upon his return? Yeah, um, I would have been concerned if he didn't return yet because he was out for two games with covid yeah. Um, I never want to touch Corey Davis because Adam Humphreys is also there. Him, he's going to see like six targets. Humphreys is going to see like six targets. We know Davis doesn't really do much with those targets from years of data. Um, Humphreys this needs season, to find though, the end zone he was to be playing well. Uh, I'd, again, he's someone I'd rather... was a fluke. I'd rather wait and see. But I, I think he's at least... a semi-decent flex play again even and if they start trailing if if this could be a high scoring game because the Tennessee defense has not been a great one like they've been in some pretty high scoring bouts so I could see Corey Davis having a decent game Adam oh, same thing goes from Adam Humphreys though I do prefer Humphreys straight up because I mean Humphreys just continues to be solid he's seen at least seven targets six targets seven targets six targets six receptions five receptions four receptions six receptions in between 41 and 64 yards, two touchdowns on the year. He's 
a top 45 wide receiver three of the first four games for them. He's been solid, so I don't see why you can't trust him as a as a flex play again this week. If you go over to tight end, Jonu Smith practiced um, limited. He practiced in a limited capacity today. So the hope is that he's playable this week, and after seeing what Anthony Ferkshire did last week, you can't help but just think about what could have been. Yeah, you have to be very upset if you roster Jonu Smith because Anthony Ferkshire absolutely went in, and that was in Jonu Smith's role. But... It just goes to show you that Ryan Tannehill's a beast and his tight end is his number two target behind A.J. Brown. So if you have Johnny Smith, he's at this point, he said it and forget it. You start him, period. I completely concur. I think we can move over to the um, Steelers now. Ben Roethlisberger has been asked to not save the team like he has in the past. Although last week was his first game outside of the top 16 quarterbacks. I mean, when people were shitting on Big Ben last week, it blows my mind. As if they weren't up by like 30 points in the second quarter already. He didn't need to do anything. Yeah, man. So, as I was getting at, that was his first game outside of the top 16. But he's also not been within the top 11. So, Ben Roethlisberger is streamer city. He's basically been the slightly worse version of Gardner Minshew. Ben Roethlisberger streamer. Ben Roethlisberger streamer. I so like I it. expect similar production here. Yeah, I like some guys better, but if you stream Ben Roethlisberger, it's a safe option, right? Like Roethlisberger is not going to put up thirty points, but he'll get you somewhere between like seventeen to twenty-one ish. As for the running back, don't let anyone convince you that James Conner is not a workhorse. I don't care what the snap shares or the snaps may say. Look, last week the Steelers were destroying the Browns. James Conner still ended up with 21 touches, 18 touches the week before, 22 the week before that. This guy is a workhorse on the Steelers. No matter how many people want, don't want to admit it, he's been a top eight running back in two out of his last three games, top 10 in three out of his last four. Tennessee, again, is not an imposing defense. They've really struggled this season, actually. Ryan Tannehill has been the one keeping them in games. Uh, Titans are 23rd against running backs in terms of fantasy points. Fire up James Conner confidently. Yeah, dude. If you get rid of that week one performance against the Giants, he's been an absolute stud. Like, he, we said James Conner is a first-round pick if he stays healthy. And so far, outside of week one, he's stayed healthy. And he's been basically putting up first-round pick numbers. Like, RB finishes of 10, 8, 20, and 6, you take any day from your RB1. And... That's who James Conner is as long as he's getting the work, and I don't see why that would change. He also doesn't have a buy anymore this year, so he's an interesting trade target if you are uh, if you feel so inclined. So, yeah, James Conner, I'm firing him up this week. The interesting thing, myth, but the interesting thing for me when it comes to these wide receivers, the Steelers use 22 personnel, which is two tight ends, one wide receiver, 24 times last week. Chase Claypool was the only wide receiver on the field every single time. Those are three big bodies on the field with the two tight ends and but Chase dude, Claypool. If Deontay Johnson comes back and takes that role, he's not. Then James Washington's also going to be on the outside, then Juju's going to be in the slot. Claypool could easily drop to third or fourth in the pecking order no. just through No, let's stop. Let's stop right there. This guy has been an absolute monster. He's not going to lose his role. I mean, he's been a top 12 wide receiver three of the last four weeks. 
three of the last four weeks, he's been a wide receiver one. And now he gets Tennessee, who's been very beatable through the air. Sure, Deontay Johnson's expected back. He practiced in full. I have Claypool as my wide receiver 22. I'm firing him up happily. Maybe what you're saying does come to fruition, but there is not a single chance if you roster Chase Claypool, you're putting him on your bench this week. I was just saying, can we agree that Claypool and Deontay Johnson are better stars than Juju? Yeah, I got Deontay Johnson. I'm diving into the Deontay train again. Yeah, I have my wide receiver at 33, which I think is a bit conservative. I think that's like on the lower end of his spectrum. I just like to see his involvement upon his return. And Juju, man. I have him at 26. Juju? No, Deontay. Oh, okay, I was going to say. I don't see how you could rank Juju inside the top 36 at the moment. He hasn't seen more than five targets since week two. He hasn't sur- he hasn't surpassed 48 yards since week one. He's been touchdown or bust, man. Every game, he scored two touchdowns week one, a touchdown in week three. The games where he didn't score a touchdown, wide receiver 48, 65, 86. It's a good matchup against Tennessee. But Tennessee. guess what? He is coming off. A great matchup against Cleveland. A great matchup against Philly. And no Deontay Johnson. And he was still behind Chase Claypool. Behind James Washington, even. I'm not starting James Washington this week with Deontay Johnson returning. But Juju Smith-Schuster, man, if he puts up another dud here, he's basically not even going to be startable, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Um, Moving over to the tight end. With Deontay Johnson coming back, he might see less work. Eric Abron, I don't know why I called him Abron, but I felt like it. Four targets last week, two receptions, nine yards. Um, this is a little disappointing after seeing at least six targets two weeks before. Basically, he's been outside of the top 20 tight ends every week except for one, the one that he caught a touchdown. So he's a touchdown-dependent option with one touchdown on the season. So I'm tired of giving Eric Ebron shots. Yeah, but... It's just it's just frustrating to me because, like, he's getting targets. He's on the field. He should be doing better. But, I mean, it's just that's there's too many mouths to feed. James Conner's a part of that passing offense as well. So, Eric Ebron, he had that one game where it seemed like he was going to get this big role in the offense. It's just it's tough to trust him right now. I got him down at uh, tight end 15. Tight end 16, actually, sorry, um, right now, and probably going to go lower because I have Darren Fells lower at the moment. If Aikens doesn't play, Fells is going up over Ebron. Yeah, I don't want to touch Ebron this week. I think that's it for this game. Yeah. Next, we are headed to Atlanta for Detroit to go up against the Falcons. The story of this game, DeAndre Swift. Coming out it. party, baby. Coming out party. So I want to know what you feel about DeAndre Swift going up against Atlanta. A very not good defense. Because despite DeAndre Swift's coming out party, 14 rushes, over 100 yards, he found the end zone. He played only 37% of the snaps. So it was in line with what we've been seeing. It's just that Detroit had the opportunity to run the ball more last week. Yeah, look, we said on last week's pod DeAndre Swift was a had some huge upside as a flex play coming out of the bye if he was more involved. And that boomed really big time. Uh, We had him starting in a couple leagues um, on teams that we share. I don't want to be the Debbie Downer type guy, but I'm saying let's pump the brakes a little bit. I know it's against Atlanta this week, 
But surprisingly, Atlanta, yes, they've been very bad all around. But they've been a lot worse through the air compared to on the ground. Like, we did just see them completely stop the Minnesota running game. And that's a team that likes to establish the run early and often. I know it was Madison, not Cook, but it was still a good performance. And DeAndre Swift, he had the same amount of carries as AP. He got game in the he got work in the passing game. But again, he played the same amount of snaps as AP. Less than 40% of the snaps. I have him as my running back 24. I still like him this week, but his expert ranking right now, RB19, is a little a little bit much for my taste. I do think there's still some risk that some people are they're just kind of crowning Swift the new backfield guy. We're talking about Matt Patricia here. I'd like to see at least two weeks of DeAndre Swift actually being a huge part of that offense before we just like crown him the new guy in that backfield. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I agree entirely. I want to pump the brakes a little bit. Someone who I don't want to pump the brakes on, Kenny Galladay has either a touchdown or 100 yards in every single game he's played this season. Stafford has played much better with Kenny Galladay, even though last week the running back stole the show. And Atlanta defense lets quarterbacks feast. So yeah. I'm excited about the outlook for Stafford. I'm excited about the outlook for Galladay. I'm also excited about the outlook for Hawkinson, dude, who may not have been in, as involved as um, you want recently. He's not seeing that many targets. But last week, they literally threw to him three times in a row in the end zone. They clearly want to get this guy involved. And he's been a top 15, 13 tight end most of the time this season. So I, I think it's going to be a great game for Stafford, Hawkinson, and uh, Galladay. Look, Stafford, for whatever reason, has just like sputtered this year. Like He hasn't been the Matt Stafford we know and love. That whole offense, really, it has improved upon Galladay's return, but last week against Jacksonville, it still didn't even look that great. Atlanta has allowed an average, average per game, 345 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. That is like a next three touchdown level. average is ridiculous. And three hundred forty five passing yards. Like, dude, what? That's over twenty four fantasy points per game to the quarterback on, on average. average. Not including extra rushing, not including bonuses if players have bonuses and in, in your league and things of that sort. I know Stafford's been disappointing thus far. You gotta roll with him this week. Galday has huge potential here. Hawk has huge potential. Atlanta's been terrible against a tight end. He just needs more targets. Hopefully he gets it this year. Excuse me, this week. Marvin Jones, man. Yeah, what the fuck? I don't even know what to say about the guy. Don't you you can't get drawn in. Like it's possible that he has a good week and you regret it. But you just can't be drawn in at this point, man. He has how many catches? Less than his max this season has been four catches. Yards, his max has been 55. He only has one touchdown. The best he's finished has been wide receiver 36. The lowest is wide receiver 100. He just, he's not even involved in the game. He had two catches for eight yards last week. Yeah, he actually didn't practice today, too. To not practice today, too, on top of the despicable performances thus far is not good. Yeah, somebody fell off a cliff quickly. Yeah. He hit 30 years old and was like, oh, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> um, But I think that's it for this team. Like, it's just, this is definitely a funnel offense. 
Where you want to start a few guys and then not start others. Yeah. Danny Amendola is not useful either. Uh, what about AP? Touchdown dependent. Yeah. I know it's against Atlanta, but only if you're really struggling would you want to use AP. All right. Talking about a running back. Even, even Swift has some red zone touchdowns as well, rushing. So yeah. it's like. Talking about a running back who I do like very much this week. Todd Gurley has seven catches for 49 yards over the last two weeks. Before that, he had four catches and nine yards on the season. Um, Aaron Jones dropped 45 points on Detroit. uh, James Robinson, 15. Kamara and Murray both went over 20. This is a very, very bad run defense. They've been bad all year. And Gurley, last time he played a very bad run defense, went over 100 yards, scored a touchdown. That was against Carolina. I expect him to have a good game. Yeah, and I mean, the first game without Dan Quinn and um, Dimitrov in the building for Atlanta, he saw 20 carries season high. Oh, actually, he saw 21 against Dallas, so almost a season high. 20 carries, four targets, three receptions. He wasn't great fantasy-wise and overall output-wise, but, I mean, that is just a ridiculous amount of touches. And against Detroit, it's time for Gurley to really— I have him as my RB10. I'm ready for him to— uh, have a big game this week. Nice, man. I concur. And we saw that Matt Ryan is a playable quarterback as long Flip as Flip of the Jones switch, yo. It is crazy. I understand that adding a premier wide receiver obviously helps, but geez, Louise, what a ginormous difference, Matt Ryan. Like, holy moly. This guy went from absolutely not playable to overall QB, what, two last week behind yeah, Deshaun two. Watson only? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And you got to start him this week against Detroit, too, no? Now that Julio Jones is back and healthy, or healthy-ish, back and playing, 90% of Julio Jones is better than most of the league. Yeah, 100%. I'm firing up Matt Ryan this week. Julio and Ridley, you got to fire up as well, too, right? No, 100%. Both have overall wide receiver one potential week in and week out. I agree. I'm done trusting Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage. Hayden Hurst has been the king of pointless touchdowns or being left wide open touchdowns this year. And people have really been bailed out for starting Hurst because of that. Just don't start him, man. He's not good. And he doesn't have a role in the offense. Yeah, it's crazy. He just, these those two touchdowns have really, outside of the games where he scored a touchdown. I mean, one game he scored a touchdown, it was a one-yard touchdown. And it is uh, tight end what? Tight end 25. But outside of the games where he, the two other games he scored a touchdown, he's never been higher than tight end, oh, tight end 14 one game. Sorry, but... Tight end 22, tight end 25, tight end 33 is what I was getting at. I just took way too long to get to. You so, took way too long. Yeah. He's a touchdown dependent option. He's been scoring touchdowns more when Julio was in the lineup. But, man, Aiden Hurst has not been what you expected. I mean, He's been what we expected. He's not been what players expected when they drafted him. Obviously, you're starting Calvin Ridley. Um, note that he was limited in practice today and should be fine. So you probably don't have anything to worry about. You should be happy that he put up 661 in a touchdown in a game that he got injured. Yeah. it's about it. I don't think we need to talk about this team anymore. And then Russell Gage. Many is, good options. With Julio and Ridley playing, Russell Gage is always an interesting flex play, especially in PPR. So he's back on the radar as well as a, as a flex option. Moving on to the next game, we got Seattle at Arizona. Um, the story of this game, Seattle's coming off of a bye. Chandler Jones is on IR. Arizona is not an imposing defense. And the 
quadruple of Russ, Carson, Metcalf, and Lockett is going to be stupendous. That's my story, and that's my recap of the team. Yeah, look, the Cardinals have, like, this image of a team that's good against the pass because they've, like, if you look at their rankings, they're pretty good against the pass, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and all that. They've played against the 49ers, Washington, Detroit, Carolina, the Jets, and Andy Dalton, Dallas. Jeez. They've had an easy schedule. They've had a very easy schedule. And now Russ is going to come in and off a bye and absolutely torch them. Jeez, yeah. They have not played anyone like Russ. Like, I am all aboard the Seahawks train. Um, I have DK Metcalf very uh, as a wide receiver one. I have him wide receiver one overall. Oh, hot damn. Um, Tyler Lockett. I know he's had some disappointing games. I have him as a high-end. I have a wide receiver 13, high-end wide receiver 2. I think he has wide receiver 1 potential. I will be a little concerned if he has another really bad game, but I think he bounces back this week. DK Metcalf has has been an absolute monster. Like, I'm firing him up, of course. What more to say? You always start these three guys, period, and, like, that's their entire offense. Greg Olson mixes in a little bit, but it's Metcalf, Lockett, Carson, Russ, like that's their offense. Yeah, the best part about Carson, he's been killing it through the air. Keep firing him up. He has been a top thirteen running back every single game except one, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Just ridiculous. He has six touchdowns in five games. Fire up all those guys, and they're gonna kill it. I don't know what more to say. Yeah. Um. Like I said about Greg Olson, he's on the field and such, and he's getting some work, but he's very touchdown dependent. Um, Arizona is not nearly as bad against a tight end as they were last year. I don't want to, I don't want to stream him. We'll just move on to the other side. My fun fact to note for Arizona, something to just keep note of, um, Christian Kirk last week replaced Larry Fitzgerald in two tight end sets. So perhaps they're going to start letting him see the field more over Larry Fitzgerald. Christian Kirk is getting back in, uh. In fantasy, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose the the uh, logic in our in the hype here. Like he caught a long touchdown last week, but it was one of two catches for only three targets. Yeah. Um. But he has capitalized. Both ha- of his catches were touchdowns. He has had week. good matchups these last couple of weeks, which have helped. But he has capitalized on it. And outside of Atlanta, Seattle is. One of the best teams you could go up against if you're a wide receiver. They're going to be putting up points. I think Kirk is a solid wide receiver three this week, man. I'll call him a solid flex. I'm just look right now. He's a little touchdown dependent. He still hasn't surpassed. That was his first game over 80 yards last week. Like he hasn't surpassed the century mark. And he caught an 80 yard touchdown. So yeah, exactly. He has only one game with more than three catches. He's still a touchdown-dependent guy in my eyes. I mean, he even had the rushing touchdown as well um, last week. So it's like, I don't know. They're clearly trying to get him involved. It's not like Murray had a million pass attempts. They were up a lot. Kenyon Drake had 20 rushes, 20-plus 20 rushes. Uh, I like Kirk this week as a uh, wide receiver three against Seattle. DeAndre Hopkins fell victim to True Values last week. Only well, he saw eight targets from Kyler Murray, but they were not very useful. Turned that into two catches for 
73 yards, so he salvaged his day a little bit, but did not find the end zone. Was outside of the top 36. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, though, against Seattle in a game where we expect Seattle to put up a shitload of points, is someone you want to start. Yeah. Uh, going right back to it with DeAndre Hopkins. It sucks that he had a not-so-great game last week in what seemed like a cake matchup against Dallas, but that's what happens when you go up early and you just run it down their throats the rest of the game. Things like that happen when uh, you play against bad teams, and Dallas is bad. Seattle, their defense is bad, but their offense is one of the best in the league. I think this is going to have to be a high-scoring affair if the Cardinals are going to want to have a shot at winning, so fire up DeAndre Hopkins happily. Yeah, I agree completely. You're not looking at any tight ends there. Um, So we're going to the running back where Kenyon Drake had a little bit of a coming out party. Um, Apparently his mom told him to start finding the hole and stop running horizontally. And it worked. Yeah. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Look, besides the down game against Carolina, where he was the 52nd running back, He's finished between running back 17 and 28 every other game and then running back two last week against Dallas. That's who Kenyon Drake is. He's an RB2, a little touchdown dependent. Against Seattle, they're going to have to score points. Kenyon Drake has a good shot at finding the end zone, I think. Seattle's rushing defense is way better than his passing defense, so if he doesn't find the end zone, you're likely going to be disappointed. But I think Kenyon Drake's a solid mid to low end RB2 this week and you ho- you have to hope he finds the end zone. Yeah, I agree. And the Chase Edmonds hype is out of control. He's not seeing enough work. Um against Seattle though, I I do like his prospects more. Like he yeah. he sees work and pass catching work in games where they need to throw. And Chase Edmonds, guess what? Last week against Dallas, they didn't. He saw two targets, one reception, five rushes. Like he's clearly 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 behind Kenyon Drake. You were gonna. I was gonna. You didn't let rushes. me finish my sentence. Of he's clear. He's not seeing enough work on the ground. Okay. Through the air, though, cockface Magoo. Um, <laughs> he's gonna see five to six targets in a game in games where they have to pass. Yeah, he has flex appeal this week. There's some flex appeal. I don't love starting a back running back though. Yeah, I'm never really one to chase backup running backs either, but. He has flex appeal. You can't deny it. And then Kyler Murray is money because even though he can't really throw this season, he's running like a madman. Yeah, he needs a lot of work as a passer, but that does not matter because he's the overall number one player on the year. He's ended as the QB5 four of six games. Well, just put him at QB5 every week. Right? I actually currently have him at QB5. Well, you're genius. That's That's a great idea. I know, right? Thanks. Next up, we're going from Kansas City to the Denver. Look, honestly... Kansas City to the Denver? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Kansas City is always easy to go through because they're definitely a funnel offense. You're starting Mahomes. Um, They're getting a little more interesting now with CEH and Le'Veon Bell there. Uh, You're starting Kelsey. You're starting Tyreek Hill. I'm going to focus on the wide receivers real quick. Demarcus Robinson played 69 snaps last week. One more than Tyreek Hill. Hardman only played 29, blocked on 17 of them. So it's clear that the Chiefs like Demarcus Robinson as their replacement to Sammy Watkins rather than Hardman. Robinson turned that into five catches for 69 yards on six targets. I don't hate Robinson this week. I think he has flex appeal. I'm not going to lie. I think he has flex appeal too because 
Denver's rush defense, it seems like people don't really know, has been the best in the league thus far. Like, they have been the most stout run defense, and guess what? It's not like their defense has been great, so they've been giving up yards through the air, which means they're going to have to pass, and if Demarcus Robinson is going to be the benefactor, he played 95% of snaps, like, in a Patrick Mahomes-led offense, that is some glorious stuff, so I do agree that he has flex appeal, firing up Mahomes, he has some big boom appeal here, same goes for Tyreek Hill, same goes for Travis Kelsey, it's the same thing every week. You think Le'Veon Bell is involved? I, there's no way I'm starting Le'Veon Bell this week. In starting, like, no, no way. Yeah, I'll maybe he'll get like five to seven touches. Maybe try to work him in. I highly doubt he sees a lot of work. Ceh, he's been great. Well, he was great last week. He's been solid on the ground. He's gonna have to do his work through the air this week if the Denver rush defense so far this year is any indication because they just continue to lock down opposing running backs and they've played against guys like. Uh, Derrick Henry, the Patriots who try to establish the run, Ronald Jones who's been great. I mean, they've been very good against the run. In games where they've had to pass a lot, though, CH has seen more work. He had eight targets against the Chargers, um, six against Baltimore, eight against the Raiders. So in games where he they haven't been able to throw on the ball, CH has seen a lot of work through the year. So that keeps him as a safe option. Yeah, which is why I still have him as a low-end RB1 even in a difficult matchup because he's he's going to get the work, period. Moving on to the Broncos, I guess, because the Chiefs are pretty easy to deal with. Story there, Drew Locke only threw the ball 24 times last week, so it's tough to know um, what that offense is going to look like. Very weird game against New England. One thing to note, though, even with the limited volume, Tim Patrick went over 100 yards again. Again, yeah. Uh, That is multiple weeks in a row of solid performances from Tim Patrick. Uh, I think he has now had top 34 performances three weeks in a row. At least 100 yards or a touchdown three weeks in a row. Back-to-back weeks of 100 yards. He's making a name for himself a little bit. He's clearly the wide receiver to start. Like, over Judy, over Hamler if he returns. I don't even think it's a question at this point. It's just that Kansas City returned back to their ways last week against Buffalo in that they limit opposing wide receivers. Like... Outside of Las Vegas, they've been very good at opposing wide receivers, guarding them, dating back to last season, too, when they were the best team in the league against opposing wide receivers. So, again, I think people really see the matchup against the Chiefs, think, oh, the Broncos are going to have to score and get excited. And Tim Patrick has been great. He's my choice of the bunch. I think he's a decent flex option. But I don't see huge upside, and I don't want to trust Jerry Judy with the way he's going uh, in that offense. Like, he just hasn't been what you expected from him so far. And it's there's been an injury to the quarterback. Drew Locke just returned only three twenty four times last week, like you said. But I'm not going to trust Judy until he proves that he's worth starting. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Going to the ground, Melvin Gordon is expected back this week. Um, he missed the game with an illness, but returned to practice Wednesday. Basically... Philip Lindsay looked great against New England, and I think that if the if Denver's smart, honestly, they should split time between them because Philip Lindsay's a great running back. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what type of role Melvin Gordon will be coming back to, but I still expect him to be the lead back. 
And week one, even with Lindsey healthy, he saw 18 touches. He's been a top 18 running back three out of four games. He's been healthy. So if you have Melvin Gordon, you're firing him back up in a matchup that's not too bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know Lindsey was uh, playing well last week in his stead, but you have to fire up Melvin Gordon against KC, who, again, allows running opposing running backs to have decent games against them. And if it's not like he was out with an injury. He was out with an illness. He's back, so he's back. It's his backfield. Um, I don't want to trust Philip Lindsey this week either, with that being said, because, like you said, week one, when they were both healthy— Melgo was the lead guy, and I don't think it's going to change this week against KC. Lindsey, he's going to have to, if you use him, you're going to have to hope he breaks out a long one or catches a touchdown on five to seven-ish touches. I'd be a little surprised if it becomes like a split now based on what we've seen. Uh, Noah Fant practiced limited all of last week, but then didn't play, so I expect him to suit up this week. With that being said, the minute Noah Fant steps on the field with the way the tight end landscape is at the moment, you are starting Noah Fant. Yeah, um, I completely agree because Noah Fant, when he was healthy, was one of the best tight ends in the league early on in this season. And tough matchup or not, KC has been pretty stingy against the tight end. He does not matter with the way the tight end landscape is. Fant was the number one receiver, basically, when healthy, and he had a nice connection with Drew Locke. So you got to fire him up if you roster him and he plays. I think that's it for the Broncos. The Broncos. Moving on to the Jaguars at the Chargers, the story of the game. Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow. Only Joe Burrow. Go on. Has dropped back more times than Gardner Minshew this season. The Gardner himself. The story of the game is clearly about Gardner Minshew, not Joe Burrow. But Michael panicked when I said Joe Burrow. I was a little confused. Joe Burrow has been a quarterback 13 or better every single time outside of Thursday Night Football. Gardner Minshew, you mean? Oh, I said Burrow this time? man, come on. All right, sorry. (laughs) Yo, you're the one that's getting Joe Burrow in my head. Gardner Minshew, quarterback 13 or better every single time when it wasn't the Miami Thursday Night Football game. With that being said, against the Los Angeles Chargers, a team that has been very vulnerable through the air this season, a team that has been good on offense ever since Justin Herbert took over. Gardner Minshew is a QB1 this week. Yeah, he certainly has some string appeal. Like you said, he's been in between QB, what, 11 and 13 every single week outside of the Miami game. Every week. I don't see why that changes this week. The one thing that does scare me a little bit is that Jacksonville was talking about how Minshew's job isn't entirely safe with the way that uh, he's been playing. Last week, he really, really struggled. If it turns into a situation where the dude gets benched, I mean, who are they going to bench him for, though? Like Mike Lennon? I don't see that happening, but he does have big bounce-back ability uh, this week against the Chargers. I think he's a very solid streaming option. Like you said, the Chargers have been torched through the air on the season, which... Is odd when you think about that secondary, but I mean, losing Durbin James, losing Chris Harris and company, it's that's hard to overcome for a secondary. And opposing offenses have been able to pass against them. Minshew, solid start. DJ Chark, I think, is a very solid wide receiver too with upside. He saw 14 targets last week, man. I know it didn't really yeah. translate. He ended with seven and 45, so it's not like he had a terrible game for you. But you gotta start the man. He led the league in targets, and the problem with Shark was targets. So, 
yeah, you're firing him up. And Minshew missed what would have been a 50-yard touchdown, likely, Chark, and he was open. So you're starting him. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, I'm giving him one more go, man. Hmm. He struggled last week, yes, but he's been a big part of that offense. Um, he's His role has been increasing in that offense. I have him as my wide receiver 35. I'm giving him a, another go this week against the Chargers because they've been so vulnerable through the air. They've been a lot better against the run. And like you said, their offense has been a lot better with Justin Herbert. So I'm liking LaVisca Chenault this week as a flexer wide receiver three option if, you, if you're needy as well. Keelan Cole. That was the next guy I was going to Has been a about. top 36 option four out of six games now. Has been a top 22 option. Three out of six games. This guy continues to produce, and people just overlook it. And his bad games have been four for 43 and four for 46. So even when he's not playing like a top 36 receiver, he's not absolutely killing you. So I'm gladly putting Keelan Cole in my flex at this point. Agreed. I have him as a wide receiver 38. I do think his upside is a little limited. He did go six for 143 last week, so he kind of said suck it, but yeah, you put him in your flex and you're likely not going to be super disappointed. I do, but I do think it's upside. Like if you're choosing between Keelan Cole and Deshaun Jackson or something like that, like Keelan Cole is a safer option. Deshaun Jackson's the boom option. Go look at what team you're playing against and see what better fits your needs. You're not starting Eifert or, or Sean Hennessy. So we can go to the ground now where James Robinson has struggled pretty mightily as of late. Ever since that game against Tennessee um, in prime time, he hasn't necessarily been the same. He's been getting bailed out through the air. He has at least four targets every game post week one. Um, he has continued to put up basically back in RB1 high in RB2 numbers because of that. So based on volume alone, he's still remaining around. He's still sticking around. Caught a garbage time touchdown last week. I don't love this matchup on the ground. The Chargers have been better against the run than they've been through the air. But a like I just better. said, Robinson catches passes as well. So if the Chargers are putting up points and they have to pass a lot, he'll be involved. So it keeps him, I would say, as an RB2 rather than an RB1, but it keeps him involved and startable. Yeah, I have him at RB16 this week. I don't see how you could rank him as an RB1 when he's been struggling so much on the ground and he is going up against a team that's been very, very good against the running back. So he's going to have to do it through the air. That's the only way. If he's not super involved in the passing game, which he has been week after week, so I'm not scared thinking he's not going to be involved in the passing game randomly anymore, but that's where he's going to have to do his work, and he's going to have to score a touchdown for you to be very happy about his uh, performance because, I mean, if he didn't score that garbage touchdown, Last week, it would have been a very disappointing game, and yeah. he would not be ranked RB10 right now. Yeah, 100%. Expert consensus. Yeah. Um, people uh, exaggerate a little bit. Moving over to the Chargers, um, someone who I prefer to James Robinson and who's not getting enough love, in my opinion, by a long shot, the ECR 25th running back. I moved him up to 14. Give me all of the Justin Jackson this week. He had 15 carries and six targets in his game without Austin Eckler. They're coming off of a bye, and Jacksonville has been getting absolutely demolished on the ground, and it's not even hyperbole. They get destroyed on the ground every week. 
And this is the lead running back on the Chargers, a team that's going to run, run, and run some more. Maybe they'll be renamed to Justin Jacksonville. Am I right? Dude, they'll... Yes. That's, I have, yeah, Justin I have, Jacksonville this week, baby. I have Justin Jackson as my RB15 as well. I'm uh, I'm up there with you. I, I thought it was going to be Joshua Kelly. I, I was shocked that it was Justin Jackson. Even the Chargers beat reporters were saying 65-35 split in Kelly's fla- favor is what they were expecting. And that's not how it played out at all. And Justin Jackson is the guy. So I'm going to play him for as long as he is the guy. Because guess what? The guy in the Chargers backfield against Jacksonville is a guy you want. Simple as that. I agree 100%. Moving and on. I do think Josh oh, Kelly sorry. has some flex appeal. I have him as my running back 29 because Jacksonville is that bad against the rush. And he did see 11 carries last time and a target so he's also still involved in that offense if you move on to the pass catchers Keenan Allen last time we saw him left the game with back spasms Anthony Anthony Lynn today said that Keenan Allen is not at a hundred percent just yet but that he's going to ease him back into practice I do expect Keenan Allen to play this week two weeks off for back spasms let's be real he's probably fine and when he's been on the field he has been a target hog even last week when he left the game, it was okay because he already caught two passes for 29 yards and found the end zone. So it didn't absolutely destroy you. Um, Justin Herbert has been very good in terms of true throw value. He's been a very big um, jump up from Tyrod Taylor, and he's been better than yeah, uh, huge other rookie quarterbacks. I'm trying to find him here. Yeah, he's eighth for quarterbacks, which is completely translated to Keenan Allen. And you saw Mike Williams when he came into the number one role last week. Keenan Allen is fifth in true target value at the moment with Herbert as his quarterback. Bang, bang. So I'm firing up Keenan Allen. I'm also firing up Hunter Henry, who finally found the end zone last week. Um, It was just a matter of time. They were on by. Two weeks ago, it was just a matter of time until he did that. Now he's up to fourth in true target value. I like Hunter Henry this week as well. Um, I'm taking a pass for now on Mike Williams. Unless you need to start him in a bye week flex situation, I'm not completely mad at that. But I do think Herbert is a three person guy, and that's running back, wide receiver, one tight end. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Firing up all those guys happily, uh, even Herbert, and firing up as well. I do think Mike Williams, after the way he played when Allen went down, I think he worked his way into more touches. I am interested to see how it goes this week for Herbert, who has been a three person type of guy. Um, just wide receiver one, tight end, and running back thus far to start his career. I am interested to see if Mike Williams gets more acclimated into the offense with a healthy Keenan Allen. So we'll see how that goes. I think he is a solid flex play, though, because you can't just overlook what he did last week, uh, excuse me, two weeks ago, because that was a monster performance. Yeah, you might be able to overlook it. We've seen him do that in the past. I think that's it for this game. Next, we are going to the Jimmy G revenge game. That's the story here. The 49ers are going to New England for Jimmy G to play for the team that gave up on him for Tom Brady and then gave up on Tom Brady for Cam Newton. See, like, yo, I was... Were we the only ones who were like, just throw away that Jimmy G game from two weeks ago? Relax, he came back from an injury. It's not like this dude became a bum overnight. I possibly... I feel like everyone just gave up on the 49ers. The Fox crew all chose... The Rams to beat the 49ers. I was like, what is going on right now? They're yeah, still know. like They're... the 49ers. I know they've had a tough start to the season with all the injuries and such, but what? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, last week, a lot of 
Jimmy G's production came on passes from behind the line of scrimmage. Debo Samuel had six catches, in quotes, on a shitload of little flicks at the line. Turned that into 60 yards and a touchdown. So it was a very interesting offensive performance, but Kyle Shanahan does what Kyle Shanahan does, and he manufactures offense. So on that note, I am a little weary of... I've been high on Debo Samuel since he returned from injury. They have clearly wanted to get him involved. I'm a little weary in this matchup against New England um, because it's a good defense, and just it was a weird way that Debo Samuel was involved last week, as I just said. Like, he caught... His passes were negative yards before he actually started running for yardage. Yeah. Um, so Debo Samuel, I'm a little bit scared of. I'm not starting Ayuk in this game. I think that the matchup just, uh, you're better off not starting Ayuk. But then of course, George Kittle is getting to go. George Kittle is such a monster. Yo. Yes. You got to start him every week. The running backs, we still don't know if Jeff Wilson is going to be the backup or Jamichael Hasty. Either way. I think those two guys are more likely to be useful going forward after this week because after New England, they get Seattle and Green Bay. New England's rush defense is strong. Uh, we saw that Jeff Wilson last time, uh, Jarek McKinnon led the backfield. Once they had a difficult game um, on the ground against Philly, Jeff Wilson did absolutely nothing, and Jarek McKinnon was the guy and did everything. So I'm not... Super interested this week in Hasty or Jeff Wilson, whoever one, whichever one of them is the backup. Jarek McKinnon, on the other hand, looking like he's going to be the lead dog again, uh, going up against New England. Difficult matchup, but the weeks where he was the lead guy, he ended as RB14 against the Giants and RB10 against Philly. I know it's a difficult matchup, but it's the 49ers and it's the 49ers running game. I have him as my uh my RB20 this week. It's a little bit a little bit scary with McKinnon in my opinion because the last time that he became the lead back Jeff Wilson uh, like Jeff Wilson wasn't active last week. Jamichael Hasty dominated the early down usage. And then the last but team, they had a big lead. And then the last time McKinnon was the lead back though, Kittle and Debo Samuel were also hurt. Like, this is a different offense from back then. I think that McKinnon is the running back of choice, and he's going to get work. I'm a little more weary than I was last time, though. I do have him as running back 20 at this point. All right, same as me, though. Oh, sorry, I have my RB21. So you're even one spot ahead of me, and I was talking to McKinnon, and you're <laughs> talking him down. That's pretty funny. But, I mean, this ju- that just goes to show you that he has a pretty solid floor as the lead guy in the Shanahan offense. That's true, yeah. So, and like you said, um, with Wilson injured but probably returning with Jermichael Hasty, I can't trust either of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. To the Pretorians and Cameron Newton. Boy, Cam Newton is a, not a good passer, man. Cam Newton. I don't give a shit. The Patriots were horrible, and he had 20 points last week. Yeah, ridiculous. Only, dude, only Lamar Jackson last season has had more rushes than what Cam Newton is on pace for as a quarterback. Yeah, I don't see, like, there's no way Cam plays worse this week than he did last week against Denver, and he put up 20 fantasy points. I'm with you. I'm firing him up if I roster him. Like, 
Start him, period. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Even against, even against San Francisco where their defense is solid, it was banged up, it's been up and down, you got to start him. Uh, Looking at his yeah. weapons, or lack thereof, James White is averaging negative one yards before the catch this season. Hey, he's a running back. I'm just come on, that's a little like still a little interesting. Yeah. You can catch a pass before the line of scrimmage. He yeah. was very involved last week, James White. Um it's not something that I want to bank on every week. You know, but two of the three games where James White has been active, he has seven receptions and eight receptions. Ten touches, twelve touches. As a flex play, I think you could do worse. Like he clearly doesn't have the huge upside like he did when Tom Brady was quarterback, but if the guy's just going to keep getting... It's kind of like J.D. McKissick. If he's going to get six, seven, eight catches, he has some flex appeal. I just... He's not someone I've been interested in all this year because I don't want someone like that. Like, what's James White going to do? He's not going to win you your week. I'd rather take a shot at an upside guy. But if you like that safe floor, James White is a solid flex play. I do prefer James White of the weapons on the Patriots because Julian Edelman came out and... Um, did nothing last week, a whole lot of nothing, and he has done a whole lot of nothing besides one half against Seattle all damn season, the entire season. He has zero touchdowns. The last three weeks combined, he has eight plus 35 plus 23 yards. Michael, that is? Say that again. Eight plus 23 plus 35. 66 yards total in three games combined. On seven catches. I don't know what that was when you were telling me to add. I like completely forgot how to add. Well, you didn't know beforehand, so you weren't really paying attention <laughs> to the numbers. It's okay. It's understandable. So it's also getting late here on the East Coast. Come folks. on with Julian Edelman. And then I Demir agree. Bird, Nikhil Harry, Mr. Catchless. I'm average at everything. Has just not even been average in the NFL. He went catchless. It's why I didn't really like him out of college. Yeah, that's looking like he's looking like a bust easily. Honestly. I said like, like coming out of college, he was just uh, like good at everything. But like when you're just good, you go to the NFL and these guys are great, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, do we even need to talk about anyone else we, on the Patriots? You start Cam Newton and like, da- dude, Damian Harris. No, thank you. I told you guys not to get caught into that. He played 12 snaps last week. Like Cam we, Newton is the number one running back. We've discussed all off season and into this season. Patriots pass catchers are just not a thing. Like, how are you supposed to like, trust Patriots pass catchers? I think that carries over into this week against San Fran. Couldn't agree more. Okay. I think we're done with the Patriots. Yeah, let's start move on. Cam Newton and forget the rest. To the right. <laughs> oh, oh man. I could do that all day, baby. Please don't. All right, Buccaneers at the, the Raiders. The Bucks at the Raiders, the story of the game. The story of the day, sorry. Derek Carr has actually been pretty good this season. High tree throw value, huge game against Kansas City. Like, really the only guy to have a huge game against Kansas City. Coming off a bye, Tampa Bay defense has been one of the best defenses in the league. With that, look, Derek Carr in games with Henry Ruggs this season, 14, 20, and 25 fantasy points. So Ruggs has helped open up the field and make things easier for him. 
But when Tampa Bay looks Aaron makes Aaron Rodgers look completely lost, and when I haven't trusted Derek Carr in two years, now is not the time. I'm gonna agree with you 100. Um, if you wanna stream Derek Carr, just know that there's a significant downside here because this team just made Aaron Rodgers look terrible, like you said, and Derek Carr has not been a huge fantasy asset in years past either. Like he's been a QB two at best. He's off to a decent start this season, but yeah, I'm I'm looking elsewhere. If you look at his weapons, they've been sporadic. Hunter Renfro was yeah. a thing for a little bit. Henry Ruggs will catch a long touchdown every once in a while. Like you don't really wanna touch the receivers. Nelson Aguilar was I'm okay with Henry Ruggs in the flex just because of his huge play potential. Like, he has big-time, big-play potential. I guess. I mean, he he, is he's just a boom-bust flex play yeah, at this point until he gets more involved in the offense. Against Tampa Bay, though, it's tough. <laughs> it is. I'm, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you don't have other options, I, I don't hate him in the flex. But in just a know game, he, there's a possibility he ends with, like, one catch for eight yards. In a game where Oakland's going to have to pass a lot and it's a tough matchup, I think Darren Waller, Darren Waller. is in for a day. Darren Waller. The only game where he has been bad is against New England where he almost didn't play because he was hurt. Otherwise, he's been great. Like, he is the wide receiver one on this team. Yes. Uh, Derek Carr's favorite toy on that offense Obviously, you're firing up Darren Waller happily. To the backfield. Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs. I don't love Josh Jacobs this week, man. He has had a tendency to slack in games um, against tough to po- opponents against New Orleans. He was the 23rd running back against New England, the 31st running back. He is a little bit touchdown dependent. Um, Week one, he scored three touchdowns, was the number one overall running back. Week five against KC, two touchdowns, was the fifth overall and those running back. two best matchups. All yeah, year. and then the other three games, he was RB 23, 31, and 31, where he didn't find the end zone. But even in those games, he caught two or three balls. He got a ton of rushes. He has as good a shot as anyone to find the end zone week in and week out, in my opinion. I have him at, I don't know, man, I have him at running back say. 13. I know it's a difficult matchup against Tampa Bay, but you're talking about a guy who's going to get 15-plus rushes. He scored in balls. 40% of games. He's basically non-existent in the passing game again. He sees three. He gets three catches a game. Yeah, I mean, that's not non-existent. Right now, he's a... Would you not say he's touchdown dependent against Tampa Bay? I do think he's a little touchdown dependent, but I... I it's a tough matchup, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, I know it's a tough matchup against Tampa Bay, and... They've been great this season, but coming off a bye, and I I like Josh Jacobs more than I thought I would going into this game. Aaron Jones had some success last week, too. It's just that whole offense was sputtering. I like, I like him this week. You know who I don't like as much as I thought I would like going into um, this, this week? The other running back, Ronald Jones. He, look... We just got to say it. Ronald Jones has been good. You don't like him going into this week? Consider running backs against Oakland. Sounds strange. Wow, you said Oakland. Oh, no. Las Vegas, my man. I did it. This doesn't count. Tim's not on the pod. Fuck, that was my first time doing it. I put OAK in my notes. I screwed up. That's crazy. Consider running backs against Las Vegas this year. 
Alvin Kamara, 12 carries, 16 rushes. Christian McCaffrey, 18 carries, 59 yards. Yeah, 16 yards, not rushes. <laughs> fuck. Melvin Gordon, 8 rushes, 26 yards. Joshua Kelly, 9 rushes, 7 yards. Justin Jackson, 6 rushes, 9 yards. David Montgomery, 10 rushes, 29 yards. But they get destroyed Aaron in the Jones, air. 10 rushes, 15 yards. They've been basically locked down on the ground. Like, these are actual volume numbers, too. It's not like it's three. Like, these are actual volume numbers. But and they you get can dominated say they get dominated through the, through the air. But Ronald Jones has two games this season with more than four targets. Mm. You're going to bet on Ronald Jones being a pass-catching back? With the way he's been involved in that offense over the last three weeks, I am banking on Ronald Jones, yes. There's no way I'm sitting Ronald Jones right now, the way he's been playing and the way he's involved in the offense. I'm just saying it's going to be... I think it's going to be a more disappointing game than the last few weeks we've seen him. Uh, yeah, I, I do I do see how it could come down to his past game involvement, but I still think Tampa Bay is a better team as well, so they're going to try to get Ronald Jones involved on the ground as well. I mean, I missed my RB10. Um, I like him this week against Las Vegas. You, you, It's a good argument regarding the lack of rushing success, but... I mean the way he's been going, I don't I don't see how you could how you could consider sitting him or I think he's a top ten play this week. If you go to the receivers, these guys have been weird, my man. Um Chris Godwin has not finished higher than wide receiver twenty two. He's been hurt. He has not had a game with more than seven targets. He has not passed eighty receiving yards. He has one touchdown on the season. Like, am I crazy, or is it time to think that Chris Godwin isn't, like, this surefire option at these days? Look, I got him at wide receiver 11. If he has another bad game, I'll start moving him lower. But we're talking about a guy who has been hurt basically all season, still hasn't been acclimated with Tom Brady. Last week against Green Bay, they broke out to a huge lead, and Tom Brady, I don't even think he threw for 200 passing yards. So I'm firing up Chris Godwin as a... As he's my wide receiver 11 this week. I'm giving him one more shot as like to see if he could really have that big game that you expected when you drafted him in the late second, early third round. It's been tough so far if you drafted Godwin, but I, I like his odds this week against Las Vegas. Time to panic for Mike Evans or what? Because in games that Godwin has played, he now has one catch, two catch, one catch. Yeah. Redfish, bluefish. I mean, we said last week Jair Alexander was a very difficult matchup for him, but that is very concerning because... He has three touchdowns of those four catches, hilariously. But obviously, you can't count on that. Like, the game against Denver, he caught two touchdowns and ended as wide receiver 29 because he had two receptions and two yards outside of those two touchdowns. That's ridiculous. And that's how it's been with Chris Godwin in the lineup. So, I mean, right now, I have him as wide receiver 27. I'm very interested to see if these guys are going to be able to I have him at 27 too, dude. Oh, wow. High five. We're on the same page, baby. And then Gronk. Gronk do the spike. Gronk do the spike. The uh, the Bucks. Tom Brady, he likes throwing to his tight ends, man. O.J. Howard was having good games. Cameron Bright has played well. Rob Gronkowski's on the field nearly every snap at this point, and if he's going to be running routes, he saw eight targets, five catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown against Green Bay. I liked him a lot last week as a streaming option, and he might be working his way into every week territory with O.J. Howard out the year if 
he continues to see this six to eight targets a game that he's seen as the starting tight end over the last two weeks. Tight end 17 or better, three of the last four weeks, which means tight end Gronk is totally on the radar. And I think that he's a decent back end tight end one play at this point. Tom Brady's been very hard to trust. He Brady's just one of the I most never want up to and down. Like he went from QB ten to thirty to nine to two. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna start him to nineteen to twenty. Like it's very, very up and down for Tom Brady. It's a good game, good matchup here against Las Vegas. Um, I'm okay with you streaming him if you feel so inclined, but. Again, he doesn't use his legs at all, so he's going to have to throw a lot of touchdowns. Uh, the two games where he was, excuse me, the three games where he was a top 10 QB, three passing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns, five passing touchdowns. So it's all about passing touchdowns for Brady against Vegas. I'd rather stream somewhere else. I have him as my QB 17, but the potential is there Sunday night game to have a big game against Las Vegas. So I will give him that. I concur with what you said. It's time for Monday Night Football on MSG. The Bears and the Rams are the best on TV. Nick Foles is rocking, and so is McVeigh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad, not bad. I've been waiting all day for Cam Makers tonight. He's <laughs> no not snaps in the first the half. What's going on? All right, That's stop. the story of the game. Last week, Cam Akers... Yo, Sean McVay is becoming a mini Bill Belichick with this shit. Like he said, Sean McVay last week before the game, after after week five, said Cam Akers has earned more play. He comes into week six and Cam Akers plays 2% of snaps, doesn't get a touch. Well, two snaps total, I think, right? No, they didn't run 100. I think they had one so snap. So one snap. Yeah, he played one snap. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. Just... Like right now, it's because that offense is so the running back is so much upside in that offense. Right now, you begrudgingly start Daryl Henderson. Yeah, you hope that he continues to put up numbers because when he's the guy, he puts up numbers, and you just hope that it's not a day where Malcolm Brown or Cam Akers are going to take over. Yeah, Daryl Henderson. I have him as my RB twenty two this weekend. Chicago, Chicago is beatable on the ground compared to through the air. He is the, uh, that is the preferred option. Daryl Henderson, four of the past five weeks, RB 11, 11, 46, and then six and 22. So four of the last five weeks, RB 22 or better. He now gets Chicago. He's in a decent spot here. Um, He is the lead guy in that backfield. I just think the Chicago defense is a tough matchup overall for the Rams who, have struggled in harder matchups. They just struggled against San Francisco. Even Washington, they didn't play great. The Giants, they didn't play great. That offense, after Buffalo, where they really played well, has struggled really over these last three weeks. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not an offense that I'm super excited about this week against Chicago because Chicago's, especially their passing defense, has been elite this year. Even last week, Jared Goff did not look good. He was very inefficient. But somehow, some way, the ice cream sandwich, Robert Woods, always finds a way to be productive. Um, he only has one game outside of the top like twenty-seven receivers this season. Outside the top twenty-eight, two games, one game. Excuse me, outside the top twenty-eight receivers. Yeah, Robert Woods 
just always finds a way to get it done. He had 10 targets last week, and even in a, inefficiently, he scored a touchdown. And he now has a touchdown in four <laughs> games out of six, so he's been more involved in the red zone than usual. And Cooper Cup could have had a huge day last week yeah. if you were watching. Um, three for 11, but he had nine targets, and at least two of those targets could have been long touchdowns. Yeah, three for 11 is brutal uh, when you see the targets that he was getting. That being said, I have Woods at wide receiver 24 and Cup at wide receiver 26. Again, I'm, I just really don't like this matchup for these two, but they are consistently solid. So I do think they're at least decent wide receiver two and wide receiver three plays this week. Tyler Higby, you can't start this week in Chicago either. Um, unless something changes, he just he blocks too often and doesn't see enough targets. So it's that's just the way it is. It's disappointing. So sad. Um, and you're not touching Jared Goff, right? No way, not against Chicago, who has yet to allow a top twelve quarterback finish. Um, you're also not touching Nick Foles. No. Okay. Maybe Glad in, that's maybe so. in two quarterback leagues, but no. Yeah. Um, his running back, who, yo man, volume means something, and David Montgomery has been a top fifteen running back the last two weeks. Tariq Cohen went down, and Montgomery is involved in the passing game. And he now has three games in a row with 30 or more receiving yards. So when you're getting the amount of looks on the ground that he gets with passing work, look, he just has to fall into the end zone to be an RB1, and he just has to get the amount of work to be an RB2. Yeah, basically um, that's about it. But the, the scary thing is, is will he score a touchdown, right? Like, it's David Montgomery, who, he just continues to look super mediocre, man. Yeah. Like, he's all about, like, he's the definition of a volume-based guy. Because if he was getting 10 touches a game, you would want nothing to do with him. David Montmixon. Yeah, so it's like, no, come on. David Montmixon. So that's so, yeah. The Montmixon or whatever you... David Montmixon. Uh... That's disrespectful to Joe Mixon. He's at least better than David Montgomery, man. Um, You like Allen Robinson, I believe. I mean, how do you not like a guy who sees target after target after target? His season low in targets is nine. This is the worst matchup you could have so far this season against the Rams, Jalen Ramsey and company. Allen Robinson is an absolute target machine. He's a good player. I have him at wide receiver 14, the lowest I've had him all year. Um, He's coming off a down game against... uh, who did they play last week against Carolina? Another very tough game against the Rams here, but if you have him, you're firing him up, and he has the shot. He has a chance to score a touchdown or catch a big pass literally every time the ball is thrown his way. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're seeing this, like you said, when you're seeing this much work, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Um, it does matter when you are Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney because they're not seeing that much The work. Mooney line. Yeah, the Darnell Mooney line has um, lost a little bit of steam these last few weeks, and I think that neither of those guys are touchable. Against the Rams, absolutely not. Um, Jimmy Graham. Uh, for some reason, Adam Shaheen was getting a bit of burn last week. But Jimmy Graham did still see eight targets, turned it into 5-34. to 34. So at least he did that in a game that he didn't find the end zone. Because he did have... Um, What's it called? He does have four touchdowns on the season. By the way, I just realized I said Adam Shaheen, who is on the Dolphins. I was talking about Cole Komet, the rookie tight end. Rook. 
Um, Komet was a little bit more involved than you'd like to see last week, which is interesting because Jimmy Graham still saw eight targets. Yeah. Jimmy um, Graham has become a basically a startable asset every single week at this point. Yeah, I agree. I definitely touchdown dependent to be like a legit tight end one, but what tight end isn't these days if you're not if you don't have one of the top five? Yeah. That's all, folks. Is that really it? Yeah, that's the Rams and Bears, the Monday night. Monday ball night game. football on MSG. Uh, you can find me at Brodo FF Jason. I'm at Brodo FF Mike. You can find Tim at Brodo FF Tim. Be like, hey, yo, Tim, good shit. Because he was the 10th overall ranked Grand Fantasy Pros last Word week. Um, you can find everything we do at BrodoFantasy.com, at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter. We tweet every touchdown, so follow us on Sundays. Um, what else? Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy to join our Patreon, please. We appreciate the support. We appreciate all of our patrons, and it's dope to get to know all of you. Um, BrotoFantasy.com for all our good stuff. We release something every day, literally. Uh, PartyBelts.com, the official championship belt of Broto Fantasy Football. Use code BROTO for 15% off. Get a dope prize for your league, please. It's very cool, and it's like $30. Um, you are not breaking the bank. And then Thrive Fantasy, download the app. First time um, first time deposit of 20 to $50, they will match you with code BROTO20, which is BROTO20. It's a lot of fun. It's prop bets DFS. With that being said, we are done with week seven. Thanks for listening, y'all. This is the midpoint of the season. Right here, we're crossing the midpoint this week. Yeah. Um, it is impossible to be at 500. Of the regular season, of course. It is impossible to be at 500 at this point Yep. after week seven because it's an odd number. So hopefully you're over 500 well, on the weekends. S- you're smart, huh? Yeah. All right. Later. Later.